Hebrews chapter number 11, Hebrews chapter number 11, and uh, while you're turning there, I do want to remind you that uh, Vision Sunday is next Sunday, and I just hope you are praying about next Sunday. I'm excited about uh, what the Lord has put on our heart and uh, what we're looking forward to, we believe God is going to do in our church in, in 2020. And uh, we're going to try to explain it as clear as we can, and I'll do my best to preach it and explain it tomorrow or next Sunday and then throughout the coming months. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit will make ever so clear to you what His desires and will is for you in your life as you serve together, as we serve together here at Central Baptist Church. And so I want you to come with a, a soft heart. Uh, let your heart be ripe and ready for the Holy Spirit to impart to it what he desires next Sunday because I, I pray he'll make it so clear that you're excited and, and ready to go. And I think I said this Tuesday night as we, we got ready to close out the last service of the year that, uh, you know, as a pastor, you just need to know who you got. And that's all I'm looking for is you need to know who we got to work with and we'll go to work. And it's kind of like a, a, a flight. If you've ever flown on a plane, you know, all that time you're sitting there waiting to take off and the captains are in there and the, the pilots and co-pilots are checking all the gauges and flipping all the switches and doing their pre-flight uh, routine. And then they come over the, the thing and they tell the flight attendants, prepare the cabin for, for takeoff. And that's kind of feel how it is in my heart. The Lord's given us a nice six or seven months to get to know you and you've got to know us. Us and uh, win, lose, or draw. Either way, I think it's time we close the cabin doors and get this thing off the ground. So I hope you're ready to be a part of God's will here at Central, and I mean that wholeheartedly. I hope you're ready to be a part of it. Uh, we don't need any spectators. Now, if, if you have to be a spectator, you have to be, I guess, but I'd love for every one of us to be a part of the will of God for this church in 2020, and I'll assure you there is no peace, there's no contentment like knowing you are where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing, and we're going to have to share that with you next Sunday. So come with a heart ready for that and looking forward to what God has to do. Hebrews chapter 11, let's stand together. And uh, I think I've preached out of chapter 11 many times since I've been here. And uh, we're going to just refer to a few things in Hebrews 11 and then jump to chapter 12 because chapter 11 is going to be the context for what we preach out of chapter number 12. Hebrews 11, 1, we know this. The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And it gives us a list. It goes down and gives us several examples of people who live by faith. Verse 4 speaks about Abel. Verse 5 speaks about Enoch. In the end of uh, or verse number 6, as it finishes up with Enoch, the Bible says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Verse 7 speaks about Noah. Verse 8 and 9, we'd read on down about Abraham and Sarah, and we could go on and on. Uh, verse 20 speaks about Isaac and Jacob. Verse 22 about Joseph and 23, a beautiful passage about Moses, and gives us all of these examples of people who have gone before us and lived by faith. And then we get to chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible uses the word wherefore. The word wherefore means consequently. So it's giving us a reference to what we just read. All of the examples of those who live by faith. The Bible says wherefore or consequently, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Last verse, verse 2, looking unto Jesus 
the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, let's, uh, let's bow our heads. Let's ask the Lord to bless and give us what we need tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the faith of those that we just read about and, Lord, what they did through trusting you to do what only you could do. And Father, as we look at the race that is set before us, if you should tarry and give us, Lord, the year of 2020, I pray that you'd help us through this passage and very simple thoughts that we'll preach tonight, uh, Lord, to be prepared for what you would desire us to do. I pray that we would all leave here, Lord, with a clear vision looking forward to next Sunday as we will, Lord, understand a little bit more clearly what you would desire us to do as a church body in the coming year. Lord, I pray your will be done in all that is said tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I have to uh, tell on my daughter just a little bit. And uh, no, I don't clear these things with her before I tell. It's just kind of a surprise. It's like a rite of passage for preacher's kids. I had to endure it, so she does too. It didn't hurt me too bad, and so it shouldn't hurt her too bad. Um, but uh, there was a few weeks ago, it was during the, one of those cold, dreary days, and she comes to me on a Monday morning, and she says, Dad, could you call Brother Heath and see if he'll cancel school today? I honestly did not know what to think of that request from my daughter, thinking that the dad, you know, because I'm the pastor, could call the principal and just cancel school because my daughter didn't feel like coming. But I felt so much better the last few days uh, as I've talked to some of our teachers and students, and they have hinted at basically the same thing. As we're coming off of holiday, uh, you know, maybe we could have just a couple of more days. What do you think about that? I said, well, he's the boss there. If he decides, then yes. If no, then no. So Brother Heath, I mentioned it to you. So all of you who have come up to me and asked about it, there it goes. I just mentioned it to him. But I understand how it is. After holidays, you come back and you're just not quite all there yet. You know, you're still kind of in that relaxed mode and, uh, you know, taking it easy. Maybe sleeping a little bit later. Uh, maybe going to bed a little bit later. And your mind is just not back on school or maybe your job. And you're having to kind of get refocused a little bit as you look toward getting things restarted in the new year. And I think that goes for all of us to an extent. Uh, you know, coming out of the holidays and looking toward a new year and a new slate. You don't want to start January too late. You want to jump right in. That way you don't lose the best part, which is the first part of the, the year. And all of us have to get a little bit refocused from time to time. Uh, we get kind of out of our routines and out of our schedules, and uh, we, we try to get refocused before we start out that new year. Now, here we are facing uh, next week. Next week, we'll have our Vision Sunday and give the path for what we believe God's will is for our church in the new year. And I think one more bridge message, and that's what last week's message and today's message this morning and tonight's message are. They're kind of bridge messages that get us ready for what God's going to have us to do in the new year. We preached a little bit about that this morning, about bringing some lessons with us that we learned in 2019 into 2020. But tonight, we're going to look at this thought of refocusing, refocusing, and moving forward because I don't I don't know about you, but it's important to be able to see clearly when you are moving about, correct? Uh, I got in the car the other day, and there was frost on the windshield of our car. It was one of the rare times there was frost this year, or thus far, uh, and uh, you had those little bitty holes to see out of, you know, as the windshield wipers are going, and the defrost comes up, and it's hard to drive when you can't see where you're going, so it's very important that you clean your windshield off, correct? Uh, if you folks that wear glasses, it's good to keep your glasses clean. That way you can see where you're going, but sometimes speed Spiritually, we have to do the same thing. We need to get things refocused before we begin moving forward. And Lord willing, next week, we're going to push the start button. 
Next week, we will have a vision of what God would have us to do in the new year, and we'll begin laying out a plan that we hope, if the Lord tarries over the next 12 months, we'll be able to walk through and fulfill that at the end of 2020, we'll look back and see all that God did through our willingness and obedience to what he's called us to do. But before we set out on that, we need to make sure that we have good focus and good vision before we do that. So tonight we're going to look at the subject of refocusing and moving forward, and we need to understand that God can help us get things focused in where they need to be. We're just going to have to use the right standard to do that, and that's the Word of God. Today, the world that we live in, so many things are relative. Truth is relative. Uh, I mean, it's basically how you feel. But if we're going to have the type of vision God would have us to have, it's not going to be based on what we think is focused. It's what God says is focused. So we're going to jump in here in chapter 11, chapter 12. I think the Lord will kind of unfold this and help us to see how we can get refocused and ready to move forward. So look back at chapter 11 real quick. Pick up in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We obviously know Hebrews chapter 11 uh, is what we call the hall of fame of faith. Now, what I want you to notice is Hebrews chapter 11 is just one huge record of faith. And if we're going to get refocused and ready to move forward, we need to look at this record of faith. So number one tonight, notice the record of faith that is here. Why did God take the time to give us all of these spiritual accomplishments by those who have come before us? Why did God take the time to talk about Abel in verse 4 and Enoch in verse 5 and Noah in verse 7 and Abraham in verse 8 and so on and so forth? Why did God include all of these records of faith? Well, this is very important. Don't overlook what's right there in front of us. What God is showing us in Hebrews chapter 11 is he's showing us what matters to him. Now understand, if we are going to fulfill the will of God in 2020, we need to know what is important to God, and it's evident by Hebrews chapter 11 in this record of faith that faith is what is important to God. Now I want you to notice the flip side of this real quickly. Notice what he did not include in there. This is not the hall of fame of what they owned. This is not the hall of fame of what they had. This is not the hall of fame of what they knew. This is the hall of fame of faith. And God says, I made a record of it because this mattered to me. Now, folks, if we're going to please God, we've got to know what pleases God. Amen? My birthday week has has been underway. I don't know about you. I get a whole week. Y'all get a whole week? Amen? I'm trying to stretch it out to a month. My wife says a little too far there, so we're going to keep it for a week, and it kind of overlaps with her week, so we kind of have to share that just a little bit. And the last few days, my wife has, has, has cooked just this wonderful food and got the snacks that I like, and we've been doing th- going to restaurants that I like. And do you know why she's been doing that? Because she knows, hey, that's the things that I enjoy. Number one, it's just food, period. But then she's been picking out the food that I like. She knows what pleases me. Now, understand this. If we want to please God, we've got to get familiar with what pleases God. And what pleases God is what he took an entire chapter to record, and that is faith. Now, folks, oftentimes, I think we try to impress God, and we try to appease God through everything but what he likes. He likes faith. And faith gets the attention of God. Notice verse 4, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Folks, if we're going to be right tonight, look, if we're going to be right and we're going to get the attention of God and have the blessings of God, we've got to do the things that God pays attention to. And God pays attention to faith. 
Matthew chapter 25, or we, we know the parable of the talents where the Bible says, well done thou good and what? Faithful. Faithful. What I find interesting is in that passage of Scripture, he never talks about the coins themselves, if you will. He never talks about how great of wealth it was. It was well done, thou good and faithful. That is what that caught the eye of the master. Now, folks, if we want to catch God's attention in the new year and fulfill the will of God, our focus has got to be on what God looks down and says, that pleases me. Look at verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please him. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get sidetracked in my spiritual life. I'll get focused on things that really don't matter to God. If you're not careful, the natural tendencies is to get focused on the here below rather than set our affections on things above. And, folks, we stand before God, and we have nothing to lay at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because our focus was off. Couldn't see clearly. Many years ago, my dad got bifocals for the first time. I didn't ask him, by the way, either, if I could tell this story, but I don't think he'll mind. He got bifocals for the first time. We were running rafters at a house. We were building a house, running rafters. And he had never had bifocals before. And he was just running across the tops of the rafters and put his foot where there was not a rafter. And he's a light fella. He could use to gain a few pounds, but he was still a little bit heavier than the air. And swoop, gravity had its perfect work in his life and pulled him all the way down to the ground. What happened? His focus was off. If your focus is not on what it needs to be, look, you're going to take missteps in your spiritual walk with God. God says what I want you to be focused on in the new year is faith. Now, why does that please God so much? Because when we have faith in God, we're not having faith in self. But when we have faith in self, we are telling God we trust us more than we trust him. I was thinking about the children of Israel. We talked about them this morning, Numbers chapter 14, where the Bible says they murmured. They murmured. God says, you've tempted me ten times. Why did God get so mad and upset about that? Because murmuring is doubting God. God kept saying there's a land flowing with milk and honey. But they kept murmuring and griping and complaining. They were doubting God. And doubting God is a lack of faith. No wonder God says, surely you'll not see the land that I promised you. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but I want to see what God's prepared for us. I don't know what lies down the road and what God plans for our church and what he wants to do in this church. But I know in my heart, whatever it is, it's going to be good. And the only way we'll find what God's prepared that's good is to focus on what matters to God, and what matters to God is faith. What did he tell the Pharisees? He told the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, he says, you have paid a tithe of mint and anise. He says, but you've omitted the weightier matters of what? Faith. He says, what you're doing is not making up for what you don't have. Have you ever tried to make up in other areas that doesn't necessarily please God for what you don't have? It doesn't work that way. It's kind of my wife, you know. For some reason, taking out the garbage has not always been a priority on my list. I'm working on it. I'm doing better. I took it out before we left. Did you notice that? Sure did. <laughs> right before we left. On a Sunday, too. I'm just saying. I might get in trouble for that one, but I did it for you. It's not always something that I enjoy doing. It's not always something that, you know, matter of fact, I'm going to take it out there and the, and the neighbor's dog is going to just tear it out. So I say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to build my wife a beautiful piece of furniture. And she says, well, that's nice. I'm, I'm thankful for that. But I really wish you'd take out the garbage. That's really what kind of matters to me. 
I'm going to put that beautiful piece of furniture in there in our living room, but the house still smells like tuna fish because you haven't taken out the garbage yet. So even though I've done one thing, it still doesn't make up for what I haven't done. And Jesus says in Matthew 23, you've done this, you've paid this tithe, and we're trying to work around the faith that we don't have. Now, folks, look, we can do great work, and by faith, we do the works, we please God, nothing wrong with that. But there's no amount of work that you can do to make up for the faith that you don't have. It's faith that pleases God. He says, if you don't have it, you're not pleasing me. So notice the Bible gives us a record of faith. And I hate to tell you, but oftentimes we try to make up things in our heart that we think are going to make up for what God says we don't have. Now, here's what made me think of that this afternoon. My wife and I used to play Scrabble a lot, full contact sport in our house. And um, we'd be playing Scrabble, and I would, I would near about take all of my letters and spell out a word. Then my wife would have the audacity to tell me that that was not a word. And um, she breaks out this little book called a dictionary. And what do they know, you know? You come to find out, irregardless is not a word. Took all of my Scrabble letters. Did you know that irregardless is not a word? I'm fixing to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. Maybe it won't. Maybe I'm just shallow and didn't know this. But did you know that Sherbert only has one R? I'm going to show you a picture. Put us a picture up here right quick. I'm showing this so you'll believe me. I've called it Sherbert all of my life. Why did somebody, mom, why didn't you correct me? My wife, why didn't you correct me? I didn't know it wasn't Sherbert. I thought it was Sherbert. It's Sherbet. I think the communists did that. I think it really had an R in it originally. It's Sherbet. Sherbert is not a word. I tell my wife, I say, well, Sherbert's a word to me, but it doesn't matter because it's not the one in the dictionary. You see, they get to decide what matters. Now, folks, listen to me. A lot of times we want to say, well, God, I don't have any faith, but, you know, I raked the yard at the church today, or I, you know, I, I gave a track to somebody. There's nothing wrong with all of that. Look, you will never please God by doing what you think is fine and ignoring what God says is what it takes to please him. You can't make it up as you go. Matter of fact, I, I wrote a list down this afternoon. The word supposedly is not a word either. Some of you are, are just disappointed. You're going to go back and fact check this. Let me give you a better one. Did you know espresso is not a word? There's no X in espresso. I feel like the most illiterate human being in the world. I say supposedly, irregardless, Sherbert and espresso. None of those are, there's no X in espresso. I just say America's going downhill really, really fast. They say, what are you getting at? I would tell my wife, it's a word to me. But see, to the people that matter, it's not a word and it doesn't count. Understand, if we want to please God, we've got to do things that matter to him. And he shows us in Hebrews chapter 11, it's the hall of fame of faith. He gives us an entire record to show us this is what matters to me. You can't just make it up as you go. And if we are going to have a focus, let's focus on what matters to God. Some of you have seen an eye chart before. I think I have a picture to show you real quick of an eye chart. You guys got back there. Everybody seen one of those before? Everybody see it real good. Yeah, you can see that. And uh, if you can see that, your eyes are probably all right. And they use this as a standard. This is a measuring tool. Uh, all the doctor's offices have them. You go and you look at that, and they're able to judge whether or not you have a good focus or not. So let me show you another one real quick. You go to the doctor's office, and if it looks like this, you can't say, well, there's something wrong with the chart. All right? Now, you, look, it, that's, a clear, that's a clear chart. It really is. Some of you just need to go to the doctors. What is, no. 
you go to the doctor's office and it looks like that. You say, well, man, something's wrong with the chart. No, nothing's wrong with the chart. It's the eye that's out of focus, okay? Now, there is something wrong with that one. Don't you go home tonight worried. We're going to get a lot of optometrist business tomorrow. There are going to be phone calls made and appointments set up tomorrow. But when you see the chart, the chart is the standard. It's what you go by. You can't say, well, there's something wrong with that chart. No, there's something wrong with our eyes. God says, look, the standard is faith. That's what pleases me. And I gave you an entire record for you to understand that. Now, folks, if we're going to please God in the new year, we've got to make sure our focus is correct. And our focus should be on what matters to God, and what matters to God is faith. You say, well, I have faith. That's wonderful. But you know the Bible says that faith without works is dead? See, our works are a result of our faith. Faith without works is dead. There it is once again, the standard of the word of God, showing us what thus saith the Lord believes and how we should live. So number one, notice the record of faith. We see it in chapter 11. But now let's go to chapter 12. What are we talking about? Getting refocused and ready to move forward, okay? We've got to be focused on what matters, and that is faith. Verse one, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There is the moving forward part of the message. So the Bible says the very first word in chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, wherefore? So consequently. So here's what he's saying. I just gave you a record of faith, okay? So because of the record that I gave you, notice what it says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What is he wanting us to do? Number two, there's a reflection of faith. He's wanting us to use those that he has set as an example before us and then let the example that they set before us cause us to reflect upon our measure and our focus of faith. Aren't you glad God has an eye chart? Hebrews chapter 11 is the eye chart of faith. It shows us how clear our focus is. And verse 1 says, seeing or consequently, I want you to reflect upon your focus. I think we've probably all seen the commercials. Um, I think they're tobacco dipping commercials or smoking commercials where folks have had to have surgeries and uh, deformative surgeries because of smoking and dipping and things like that. Why do they have those commercials? Why do they have those commercials? They give us those commercials so that we can now reflect upon our decision. They say, look, this is the record. This is what will happen. And as they show us that, they want us to reflect upon the decisions that we make. Now, the record is the word of God. God says, I want you to use this, and this is going to help you reflect upon your own life so that your focus is correct. Folks, aren't you glad God gave us a record? We're not going to stand before God and plead ignorance. God says, I gave you a record, and there's an example in Hebrews chapter 11 of those who had their focus correct because they focused on faith. Let me ask you this real quick. Where would you be tonight without a mirror? Some of you are right where you're at, you know? Where would you be without a mirror tonight? I would love to know. I should have looked at how many times we look in the mirror before we leave the house. Me, a couple of times. I mean, it doesn't take much. You know, there's not much left. Just get it, you know, in place and go with it. How many times do we look in the mirror? Why? We want to know what we look like, right? We want to go outside looking all slobberedly and not representing the Lord correct. So we look at the mirror and we get in the car, we look in the mirror and we flip down the visor and we look in the mirror again. And I've got one in my office. I'm thankful. The one in my office is this big around. 
No joke. It'd be scary if it was big. So I'm glad it's just a little small mirror. Just get a small look before we go out the door. What does the mirror do? It shows us reality, doesn't it? it? It shows us who we are. It's a reflection of who we are. Now, God wants us to use Hebrews chapter 11 as the grading curve. It's showing us, hey, you compare yourself to the mirror that is here. Remember, remember uh, Dr. Ferret when he would come and he would present the Beams Bibles, he would always ask the question, where would you be without a Bible? You know, the Bible tells us in James 1.22, it uses the word of God, that perfect law of liberty as a mirror. What does it do? It shows us ourself. It shows us ourselves. What is God wanting us to do? To read the word of God and reflect. You know, if you didn't look in the mirror, you'd be, be shocked at how you'd look after a few days. Look pretty rough. There have been times I have brushed my hair without a mirror, and I have bad cowlicks back here, and I've hated them all my life. And the Lord did me a favor and just let them fall out. And now I don't hate them as much as I used to. Those, those cowlicks up there, I brushed my hair real quick, ran out the door. My wife said, well, your hair's all wonky and your hair's standing up there on the back. What happened? I didn't look in the mirror. The mirror would have showed me exactly who I am. Folks, I'm glad we have a mirror. I'm glad God gives us a record of faith. And if we want to know where our faith matches up, we look into the mirror, the record that God give us, gives us in Hebrews chapter 11. By the way, this is why the devil doesn't want you to read your Bible in the new year. He doesn't want you to look in the mirror. He wants you to walk around the world and look just as bad as they do because they don't want to look in the mirror either. Folks, this is our glass. This is our looking glass. This is the mirror that we get to look in and see who we are and where we stand before God. And even if we don't like what we see, it's the truth. We can't just go and break the mirrors. I think about Lot. The Bible tells us about just Lot in 2 Peter chapter 2. The Bible says just Lot moved to Sodom and Gomorrah. We know the story very well. The Bible says he was vexed. In day to day, in seeing and hearing, Lot was vexed. What does that mean? That means Lot's visage and Lot's countenance and Lot's personality and Lot's thoughts were conforming to the society that was around him. I thought about Lot this afternoon and thought, you know, Abraham was kind of his mirror, wasn't he? That good influence that helped him see who he was and where he stood, kind of like the prodigal son. The prodigal son got away from his dad and went into the far country. And next thing you know, he looks pretty bad. Why? Hadn't looked at a mirror in a while. Hadn't been around that influence that shows us who we are. Folks, hear me out tonight. If we want to keep our focus, we've got to make sure we're looking in the right mirror. But so often we look at the Word of God and it's fuzzy and the world is clear. It's not good. Why? We're looking at the wrong standard. The world, look, the world should be fuzzy. We should think they're weird and they're odd, but yet we look around at other Christians and we think we're weird and we're odd. No, folks, they're the ones who ain't got it figured out. Why? Because that's what the mirror says. You hold up the mirror and it says they're weird and we're normal. Write it down. You're normal. Why? Because the standard of the record of the Word of God shows us that. Why did the men gnash on Stephen and ultimately beat his brains out? Let me tell you why. Here's what Stephen did. Stephen held up the mirror, and they saw themselves, and they couldn't stand what they saw. By the way, that's why people don't like Bible preaching. That's why they don't endure sound doctrine. Why? You know what sound doctrine is? It's a clean mirror. It's a clean mirror. And you hold that clean mirror up. I don't like it either, by the way. I don't like it when I look in there, and it shows me for who I am. But the only way that I can become who I need to be is to know who I am and where I stand. And I do that by reflecting upon what the mirror shows me. And God gives us a record of what matters, and it's faith. And God says, you've got to line up with what is here. But what did the mirror show them? Look at back at chapter 12. 
The record of faith, and there's a reflection of faith. He wants us to reflect upon our faith. What does he want us to reflect on? Well, notice verse 1. Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Notice the mirror showed them, or that standard shows us some things that we're holding on to. When you see their record of faith, and you compare it to our record of faith, it says there's some things you need to let go of. Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Look, if we're going to move forward in the new year, we're going to have to have a right focus. That right focus has got to be on faith. In order to focus on faith, there may be some things we have to bring out of focus. That's the weights and the sin. And at the end of verse number one, he says, that beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. God gives us a standard in his word of what matters to him and what matters to him is faith. Our focus at Central Baptist Church in 2020 has got to be on what pleases God and that is faith. Why are so many churches going by the wayside? My wife showed me just today a church right down the road from where we lived in Monroe, Louisiana, the church that we got married in years ago. It's advertising this big thing they got going on where one of the American Idol singers is going to be at their church, and they're promoting that all around the community. They're at their church. I think their focus is off. When your focus turns to entertainment over faith, when your focus turns to the good feeling and attracting a crowd over preaching what thus saith the Lord, your focus is off. How do you get that? You quit looking in the mirror, all right? We've got to keep looking in the mirror. The mirror is the word of God. So number two, the reflection of faith. And then the last thing, look back to verse number two, uh, one again. Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's what's wonderful. God says the standards in chapter 11. Verse 1 says, okay, now reflect on it. Compare yourself to the standard that I've given you in chapter number 11. And then number 3, we see a reconsidering of faith. It says, let us, let us. So we look at the standard, and the standard is a focus that is on faith. And God says, you use that grading curve and reflect upon who you are and where you stand and where you measure up, because God says, this is what mattered to me, chapter 11. And then what do we do? Well, the third thing is we reconsider our faith. What I find interesting is it's a logical conclusion. It's a logical conclusion. He says, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Seeing the mountain of evidence that is all around us, the Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. That means we've got to reconsider what we're focused on. Now, this is not something we like to do, is it? We are, look, look we're, good, we're good Baptist folks, and I'm thankful for the traditions of our faith, and, but we don't like any change in our life. We don't like to be uprooted or shook any, uh, any bit whatsoever. But sometimes you need to reconsider and make sure your focus is on faith and not just going through the routine of things. It says, let us lay aside. Hey, looking around, considering the mountain of evidence, let's reconsider a few things. This is why Romans 12, the Bible says that presenting our bodies before God, a living sacrifice is our reasonable service. It's reasonable. It's just the next logical step that when you compare our lives to the lives of those in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to reconsider things. This is what he tries to get the people of God to do in Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. He says twice, consider your ways. What is he trying to get them to do? 
Reflect. He says, you make money and you put that money into a bag with holes in it. He says, you need to reflect on this a little bit. And then he says, you need to reconsider some things. Consider or reconsider your ways. We don't like reconsidering things and reconsidering our focus. The only way we're going to finish the race that is set before us is to do just that. Turn with me, if you will, real quickly to 2 Peter chapter 3. I want to show you something before we go. 2 Peter chapter 3, look down to verse number 11. Verse number 10. The Bible says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So verse 10 is the record. He's giving us a record, and he wants us to reflect. So how do you know that? Look at verse 11. Seeing then, okay? What is seeing? It's reflecting. Reflect on this. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in our holy conversation and godliness? What is he saying? He says, maybe you ought to reconsider some things. Maybe we ought to reconsider some things. Seeing that all of this is going to be dissolved and all the works are going to be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in our holy conversation and godliness? God would have us tonight to enter the new year. Sunday is Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. As we go into Vision Sunday, may God help us tonight. In just a moment, we're going to have the invitation and ask God to help us get refocused. Make sure that we're focused in on what matters to God. Look, it's no secret what matters to God. So how do you know? Because he included a whole chapter We call it the hall of fame of faith. So we have a record of faith. God says, look, I want you to reflect on that. Reflect on that. Look at them. They're the grading curve. They're the standard. They've gone on to be in the the great grandstands of heaven, and now they're looking down. The Bible says reconsider and reflect a little bit on how you live. And Peter says, what manner of persons ought you to be? Well, there are people that verse 1 says we're going to lay aside some things. We're going to get refocused in on what really matters to God. The Bible tells us finally in Hebrews chapter 11, these all died in faith. These all died in faith. It's important to notice the Bible says they died in faith. Because you're either in or you're out. You know, God doesn't see things as fuzzy as we do. Those warm gray area, fuzzy areas that we like to live in. God sees in or out. And as we go into this new year, the burden of the message tonight is very simple. God looks down and he's looking for faith. God blesses faith. Faith is how we will please God in the new year. And the question is, is that our focus? That's got to be our focus. You know, we, we, we were going to building program in Monroe, and we're getting, we, bought, we just brought nine acres, and we were looking at building prints and all of these things, and everybody's getting excited talking about different buildings and building a new building and all those things. And all throughout the process of buying the property, we had to continually remind ourselves the end game is not to have more property. You know, we like to have as many folks as we can come and visit our church. We go out and we knock doors and folks come and all that's great. But remember, the end game is not to just have a bunch of people in a building. The end goal should be pleasing God. And he tells us in Hebrews 11 and chapter 12 how we can please him and we can please him through faith. He says, make sure that is your focus. And if that is your focus, I assure you, we will see God work in this place in the new year. 
Let's not get our focus off on things that don't matter and things that distract. Let me tell you, the devil's very good at giving distractions. So tonight, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, as we conclude this service, can I ask you real quickly, is your focus clear on pleasing?